0: Now, if you would turn with me to Judges chapter 13, and we're going to be in four or five chapters today, and not just for today, but for the last two weeks of July, we're going to be looking real short look at the life of Samson. I'm preaching today, but I also get to preach those last two weeks of July, and I didn't want to pick out three onesies. So I found something that I could use this three times, and this is what we're going to do. So it starts today. It doesn't end till July. If you're not physically able to be here and you want to know, you can always read the Scripture. But if you want to know where this sermon little series is going, you can always look back through uh, our website or Facebook and check later in the summer. As a kid, though, Samson was one of my favorite Bible characters. I love seeing the pictures of him between those pillars, pushing and Me, a scrawny little kid, I haven't told you the rest of the deal about, I have at some point in the past, but the rest of the deal about me not being able to have children, I had a birth defect, and I didn't go through puberty until I was 11th grade, so I was more than just a scrawny little kid, there was a a physical reason that I was a scrawny little kid, and I hated it, so Samson became a hero to me when I was a child, before I even knew my birth defect. And I saw his muscles flexing as he pushed those, but we weren't, as children, we weren't told the real story of why he was there. We just told that he was captured by the enemy and they poked his eyes out and he couldn't accomplish God's purpose for him. But he accomplished God's purpose for him in the end and God still used him. And we saw the end picture, but not all that other stuff that as children we weren't ready to hear. So I saw him as a hero. I paid attention to his strength, how many Philistines he killed. But I missed all of those other parts, especially why he died. So Samson's story is actually a tragedy. He was given so much and he did so little with it. He was given so much, he did so little with it. And I'll probably say this at some point in the next couple of sermons, but I consider him to be the Bible's biggest failure. Given so much and he did so little with it. So in this first of three sermons, let's, learn three lessons about God's plan. First of all, we are all born for a purpose. Look with me at chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines, who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah, His wife was unable to become pregnant and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, even though you've been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth, and he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. As a Nazarite, taking that vow, your life was to be lived in service to God. And sometimes it was a short period, sometimes it was a long period. Samson's parents dedicated him to God, and it was for a lifetime. So his life, his purpose was to be lived in service to God. That's a very specific purpose. These neighboring Philistines had been dominating Israel for years. And God gave a special son to a barren couple to bring Israel uh, some relief. In the book of Judges, there's just cycles. There's about six cycles of rebellion, conquering by some outer force. They would go years and continue in that. And then they would finally cry out to God some sort of repentance, but really just wanting a deliverer. God would deliver them. He would raise up a judge. He would raise up somebody to free them, to protect them, to defend them. So Samson is one of these guys. And his period, we'll see in a little bit, was for 20 years. Where he led the Philistine conquering. He protected Israel from them. God gave him superhuman strength that seems to have come and gone, came at times, but he knew that he had it. And he was supposed to use it to rescue Israel. To protect them. He was Israel's judge and protector. But he wasn't an elected leader. He didn't have a throne. He wasn't the commander of an army. He wasn't a military leader. But as long as he was around, the Philistines left Israel alone. When I was in the ninth grade, I got to go to school with my older brother who was a senior in high school for the first time since I was in the third grade. He's four years and three grades ahead of me. He's still, he's still alive. He's four years older than me, but he was three grades ahead of me. So just like our kids, there's going to be such a separation there that they didn't get to go to school together. And I've already told you that part about it being a scrawny little kid. So to deal with life and to deal with things as they were in the 80s, the kind of bullying, I just learned to 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 be okay, to. To be compliant, not to run my mouth, to obey the rules, to be a... I, I talked to our youth about a lot of things this week, and it was things that we have also talked about for the last six, seven months on Wednesday nights. I'll just fill you in on them. One of them was having a, having a worldview, knowing truth, what absolute truth is. And the second thing was making good decisions. So at one little moment, there's as much teaching that goes on in private times, like sitting around the dinner table, as there are in the big group times. I said to one of them, you, you need to be a sidewalk walker. One of our teenagers, I won't mention any names, but Jenna has a trouble using the word literally. So I'm trying to teach all of them that you just do something, you don't literally do something. It's okay just to say that you do it. Not that I'm literally going to walk down the stairs because what does figuratively walking down the stairs mean? I'm just walking down the stairs. But as we were having these discussions about literal and metaphorical language, I told one of our teenagers, you need to be a sidewalk walker. And I looked at Jenna and I said, figuratively. There's sidewalks laid out and that shows where you are to walk. You, for the most part, you, you need to be a rule follower and not try to demand your own way and make your own way and always be the one that's fussing and complaining and whining because you want your way. Be, be a sidewalk walker. So that's what I was as a kid. And I learned to do that, not to get bullied. And I still got picked on, and I just dealt with it the best I could. But then in the ninth grade, my brother was a senior, and he was reckless, and he was crazy. He ended up going in the military after high school. He became an army ranger. He served several tours of duty. He went back in as a 30-year-old. He went and agreed and signed back up and said, I want to go do this again. So he went back into the second Gulf War, Desert Storm, whatever you want to call it. He went and signed up and did several more years as a paratrooper, training others to do things he had learned in the late 80s and the early 90s. This was my brother. Everybody knew him. He had friends. Everybody didn't know that he was my brother because we didn't quite look alike, at least not in those days. One day at lunch, as I'm sitting with my friends, there was a big, we were 1,300 school And there was only two lunches. So there was a lot of people in there, and they just put tables out in long rows. And it's tight, and it's packed. So one day, I'm in the middle of one of these rows with people all around me, and I'm sitting with my friends and some people that that were a year older than me. I knew who they were because I'd been in middle school with them. But there had been two years since I was around them, and they had grown, and I hadn't. For whatever reason, one of I don't remember what was said, but all of a sudden, one of them had my jacket collar pulled and my face is right by his and I can smell his stinking breath and he's telling me what he's about to do to me and I'm like, I don't even know what I did. I I didn't say anything. I don't know what happened. I still don't know what happened but when he got finished telling me all the things he would do to me and threatening me, I just picked up my tray. My brother, I I leaned back and yeah, he he had been sitting there before so I looked, he's still there sitting with his girlfriend. I just squeezed through the aisles calmly, nothing's going on with my tray. I leaned down as I walked by and I said, what happened to me? And he jumped up, I saw the fire in his eyes, and I said, this, this is what I wanted, but I don't want to see the result. So I told him exactly who, he said, ooh! And I think everybody probably heard him, and I was like, I felt like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. I was pointing, yep, yep, that's him. He threw the salt shaker, that was him. Yep, some of y'all seen Dumb and Dumber. And me and my friends just got out of there. And we went to the library. <laughs> now there were about three or four of these 10th grade boys that had been messing with me about 10 or 15 minutes later keith came to found us we were in the library he had a big smile on his face and he said they won't be giving you any more problems i'm like what did you do he said just don't worry about it but you don't have to worry about them anymore and they won't be giving you any more problems I must have passed that one specific guy 1,000 times in the halls the rest of the school year. Our school was a big square. There was, you, if you just kept walking, you'd see the same people five times. I must have passed him a 1,000 times. He would not even look at me. He'd look the other way, and i just—I just put my chin up a little higher, a little scrawny kid, and smile and knew that at least for that year, I was protected. Now, Keith graduated. We moved away, so I never had to deal with him again. I don't know what would have happened. But for that year, I was protected. And as long as Samson was around, the Israelites were protected. We first learn about his strength when he killed a lion with his bare hands in Judges chapter 14. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. Just like Samson, we're all born for a purpose. Now God doesn't tell our parents specifically what our purpose is like He did their, His parents. He doesn't tell us all that up front. But still, we all have the same basic purpose. Your purpose, your purpose, your purpose, and my purpose its all basically the same as children of God. We exist To get to know God as well as possible. To know Him as Father, as Savior, as Creator, as Lord. We exist to share Him with everyone we can. And we exist to show people what He is truly like as we live our lives in honor and obedience to Him. That means to glorify Him. Living, showing what God is truly like to the people that we come in contact with. And it's that simple. That's generally what our purpose is. Now how those things play out for every individual are different. How we individually fulfill God's purpose has unlimited possibilities. God gives all of us different personalities, different sets of gifts and talents and interests and desires. It's no coincidence that you like what you like. It's no coincidence that you have those personality traits. Maybe your personality trait is like Peter and you're impulsive and you got to talk and you, gotta say and you got to say and maybe yours is more like mine where you sit back and wait on the dummy to make mistakes so you learn from him what not to do and maybe a better approach at how to tackle the problem. But it's not a mistake that you have that personality. It's just your job to figure out how to use that personality to glorify God. The strengths and the struggles with it. It's not a coincidence that you are good at those things. God made you like that, generally speaking. When we live for Him, He guides us into ways that we can specifically fulfill the basic purpose that He gives to every one of us. Secondly, we decide to live for God's purposes or for our own. We decide to live for God's purposes or for our own. Samson had God given superhuman strength and he never surrendered it to God. He had God given superhuman strength and he never surrendered it back to God. He wasn't concerned about God's plan for him, which was to rescue Israel from the Philistines, to keep this troublemaking, bullying group of people off their back. Instead, he only used his gifts of strength for his own lust and vengeances. Read through the chapters. Anytime you see him using it, it's it's for himself. It's for himself. And it's usually involving some sort of lustful passion. In Judges 14, he killed 30 men and took their clothes to pay a gambling debt that he had made at his wedding. Don't worry about the trickery involved with it. Just that's that's why he used his gift. In Judges 15, after his wife was given in marriage to someone else, he caught 300 foxes. Tied their tails together with torches, put them loose in all of the Philistines' field, burned up their crop, which was their way of, it it was their sustenance. It was their olive oil. It was their grain. What was going to keep them alive? And he burned it all up. When a thousand men came to attack him for destroying their crops, he killed them all with the donkey's jawbone. You remember that story? Killed them all with the donkey's jawbone. Then what'd he do? Then he took credit for it. Read what he said. 15-16, then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. Sure he did, but where did his strength come from? Samson's life was all about him. God planned him for a purpose, but Samson chose to live for his own purposes. The only times we read about him killing Philistines is when they offended him. He's never seen going to the rescue of some innocent Israelite. Go look for the story. He doesn't go looking for somebody who's like, you know, my big brother did. Let me look at this person, this being let me get. He didn't do that. He used it for himself. Maybe he did, but the dominant theme of his life is that he wasted what God gave him all on himself. And it's easy to see how Samson lived for his own purposes and wasted the strength God blessed him with, but what about... What about us? It's easy to look at him and and condemn him and and see his mistakes, but, but what about us? What are we doing with what he has given us? God hasn't given any of us that kind of superhuman strength, but oh, what has he given us? Think of the blessings that he has given you. What are you doing with them? God made each of us exactly how he did on purpose. Let me just use a few church service illustrations and then we'll go to a few others if you can teach or lead or sing or play an instrument are you doing it for your pleasure or are you doing it for God's we were at camp this week and there were lots of people on stage in a drama there were lots of people on stage that were playing instruments excellently they could make money while with with the talents that they have but that's just like making the major leagues in a professional sport. The opportunities are slim to none. But you still have to wonder which of these up there are doing this because it's a big stage with a big crowd and which are doing it because they sincerely love Jesus and they're giving back to Him the strengths and the, and the talent that He has given them in service to Him. If you can make conversation with anybody Are you making friends for yourself or showing people how to be friends of God? There's some people that can talk to a wall and become friends with the wall and they go to lunch. Are you using that personality for your own good? Getting benefit from the people that you meet and the contacts that you make and the resources that come from that? Or are you using it to make Jesus known to whoever He puts in your way? If you're a good manager, are you using the gift for your own gain? your Maybe your financial gain? Or are you using that management ability for Jesus in some way? If you're financially blessed, are you using those resources for your own desires? Another this, another that, more time off to do this. Or are you using those financial blessings that didn't come from you? I don't care if you think you worked hard and got it. Where did the health come to work hard? Where did the strength come to work hard? Where did the knowledge to do the thing come from? It all comes from God. What are you using the blessings for? How are you serving God with those blessings? And then how are you keeping all of that stuff, whatever it is, all for you? There's a way to live to honor God and there's a way to live to please and honor and glorify God. Self. If you have a lot of free time, are you using on yourself or for Jesus in some way? There's a there's a 32 I think year old guy named Russell Henley. Anybody know that name? Who knows the name? Raise your hand. Y'all are watching U.S. Open. He's leading U.S. Open right now. He's 32 years old. He's a, he's a Georgia player. I've never known anything about him, so I've never followed him. There's a lot of Georgia players on tour. If you saw the Georgia blanket up there in the video earlier, that was my room. My room was clean. Everything's where it's supposed to be. And then about a day later, I had two teenagers in there with me. That room was a complete and total disaster. So while I'm living with a complete and total disaster, one of them starts complaining about my snoring. I'm like, I've been holding in everything that's being done to me all week. Wayne had a room that adjoined his bathroom that wasn't being used by anybody. I just moved in that room for the rest of the week and I snored away and I enjoyed my cleanliness but (laughs) the Georgia blanket is what triggered that, sorry Russell Henley is a former Georgia player, I just looked up yesterday because I like to know who are these people that are leading, oh my good there's a story, a big long testimony about somebody he was introduced to they were a Christian, they told him at some point I can't continue to date you because we have differences, I love Jesus is essentially what she said and you don't, we're going in two different directions so we're parting ways she gave him two books to read. One of them was Prodigal God by Tim Keller. One of them was The Reason for God by Tim Keller. And she said, Look, I don't want to date you, but I, I do care about you. You just need to read these books and you need to figure out that Jesus loves you and he's the way that she, I'm adding a little to it, but this was the point. He read the books. He said, I didn't read the books because I was trying to get the girl back. He ended up marrying her, so you know how the story's going to go. He didn't, he said, I didn't read the books because I wanted to get the girl back. I generally had an interest. And he shares his testimony in this article. And I said, I wish I had known this sooner. I would have been pulling for him all along. Go Russell Henley. I hope that today that you win the trophy and you get that big old platform. And I want to see him glorify God on the biggest platform he'll ever have. He may not win, but I still want him to glorify God every chance he gets with the physical ability that he has that is only God given scrawny little dude hitting 330 yard drives and hitting those little tight, that only God can make somebody to have that skill and to do that because there's millions of other people that try to do it every week and they they can't do it. Matt, they can't do it. (laughs) See, it's not just Samson who wasted God's blessings on himself. All of us do it. So we've seen that we're all born for a purpose. And we decide to live for God's purposes or for our own. And then last, look with me. God gives us sufficient time to surrender to His plan. Samson judged Israel, this is 15 verse 20. Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. 20 years was plenty of time for Samson to surrender to God. He still never did. He didn't. He kept chasing his own desires, which mostly involved women. Most people know the story of Samson because of his relationship with Delilah. You don't have to talk to Christians to know the name Samson and Delilah. That crosses, that crosses all cultures. People know who the two people are. In Judges 16, Delilah keeps asking him. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Delilah keeps asking him to tell her what makes him so strong. He tells her three different lies. He says, if I'm tied up with seven new bowstrings, I'll become like any other man. So she did it. He says, if I'm tied up with new ropes, I'll become like any other man. So she did it. He said, if my hair is braided into your loom, I'll become like any other man. So she did it. While he was sleeping all three times and she had the Philistines come in. Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he just jumped up and did whatever and destroyed them and went on about his merry way. But then look with me at Judges 16. Verses 18 through 21. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, for he has finally told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. And in this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. And then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Samson chose a sexual relationship over fulfilling God's purpose. And he became so confident in himself and in his own strength that he forgot the source of his strength. He knew that Delilah would tell the fourth story that wasn't a lie, didn't he? He knew. I've always thought, why did he tell her he knew what was going to happen? Here's why he told her. He'd become so confident that he didn't believe that it would do anything. Apparently he thought it wouldn't matter if his hair were cut, but the Bible says, and his strength left him. His hair wasn't a source of that strength. God was. And God had stopped empowering him. God knew that Samson would continue to waste God-given strength. So he took it from him in order to fully accomplish his purpose for Samson at a later time. If God had allowed Samson to live out his days and die a natural death, Samson gives no evidence that he ever would have accomplished his purpose which he ultimately did at the end of the story. But he gives no evidence that he would have done that on his own. We'll see next time that he only decided to surrender to God when he had no other choice. You do not want to put yourself in that predicament that you have no other choice. Serve God and love God because you love Him and you want to live your life as an offering to Him, not just as, I guess it's the only thing I have left to do, Serving Him because you, own, you have no better choice is still a better choice than continuing to reject Him. But it's much better when we serve God because of all the things that He has already given us and already done for us. So how about you? Do you think you can decide to surrender to God whenever you feel like it? That's a question I want you to reflect on. So let me ask it again. Do you think you can decide to surrender to God whenever you feel like it? It's a dangerous road to take. The fact is that we've already had all the time we need to surrender to Him. Every one of us are fully aware of our sinfulness. We're aware of our need for God's forgiveness. We're aware of our continual need for His guidance and blessing. But most people choose to live in denial of everything they know to be true. Samson didn't realize that his days of freedom were about to run out. So whether you're rebelling against God in a really obvious way or just by refusing to use some of the giftedness that He has blessed you with for Him, my prayer as we close this today is that each of us will fully surrender to God now while we still have a choice. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this bad example that we can learn from. Bad example that we can make a good decision from. Help each of us today to discover our purpose, our specific purpose, how you want to use us to bring others to you and to live a life that glorifies you. Thank you for what you have taught us today. Help us to choose to follow you while we still have the chance. Even Christians who already know you as Savior. Help us to follow you with whatever step of obedience that we have been holding back from you and refusing to take. And if there are those here this morning who have never surrendered their life to you, acknowledge their sins, acknowledge what Jesus did, as He lived a perfect life, died as a perfect sacrifice from our sins, and rose from the grave so that He can defeat sin and death and hell. And when we put our trust in Him, we have eternal life that begins now and the promise of heaven one day. Help anybody here who has never made that decision to make it the day before we leave and also to tell somebody about it. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.